You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey everybody, welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast every Thursday right here at BallQuest.com and on the BallQuest YouTube channel. I'm Eric Kane with Brent Hubbs, Austin Price. Don't forget, a little late Christmas gift you can throw in that stocking, $10 for a one-year subscription of VolQuest.com. Seriously, take advantage of it right now. It's the perfect Christmas gift for uh, you or that Tennessee fan in your life. All right, we got a loaded bank of questions for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast coming off National Signing Day, bowl practice underway, a basketball, plenty of stuff to get into. We will go ahead and get started with Sam Smith, 2233. What coach will be with Joey Halsey in the booth for the bowl game? Brent Hubbs, any any idea on what offensive coach might slide up or if it'll just be an analyst? I think it'll just be an analyst. I don't think they're going to change anything with their sideline routine. Glenn Ellerby's going to stay on the field, Austin, to, to coach the offensive line. Um, they'll have a, a tight end GA down there to help with the tight ends. Jerry Mack's going to stay down. Um, I, I think that Kelsey Pope stays down. So I think someone from the back row in, in the analyst world will slide down to the front row, or they might leave the seat vacant depending on how wide it is across the front. But I don't see an assistant coach moving up top. <laughs> they don't leave it vacant in honor of Gullish. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only person I could see potentially moving up would be Jerry Mack. Um, you know, but I think that what you're saying is the way they'll go. Yeah, I just think, you know, Jerry Mack handles running back rotation stuff. That's got to you know, happen fast and everything. I just – I don't think you upset that that sideline flow, particularly when you're a high-tempo team. The last thing you want to do is have communication issues down there. So I, I just would be surprised if they moved an assistant up there. But I don't know for sure. That's just my speculation, Eric. Another question here from Sam Smith. What quarterback that Tennessee played this year compares to Cade Klubnick, if any? Do you guys have any that come to mind? I mean, I, you know – I, I don't know if you can really compare him to any particular player. Um, and, and I don't know if he's played enough to show you what he's got. I mean, he can make a few plays with his legs if need be, but he throws it well. I mean, he doesn't throw it as well as Bryce Young. He sure doesn't extend like Bryce Young. Um, I wouldn't say he even throws it at this point as well as, you know, Stetson Bennett. Um, I mean, you know, not to not, not to pour salt on the wind, but I, maybe Spencer Rattler. I mean, a guy that can make a play with his legs, but – you know, ultimately wants to sit back there and throw it in the pocket. Yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, again, with no sample size, I think when you look at him, maybe frame and, and sort of game a little bit, maybe a, a young Stetson Bennett. I mean, but but I'm not saying he's Stetson Bennett, you know, when a guy who makes all the critical plays. I mean, we, we saw him play really well against a really bad North Carolina defense. That's right. And that's what yeah. you know of him right now. Now, he's got talent. I don't think anybody's questioning that. But in terms of what his game is, I mean – 
his game was really good against a really bad team, Eric. It was. It was indeed. And um, also, he was a pretty highly rated recruit there. Sets and bet it wasn't. But I, I, I know what you're saying there. I just, whenever you threw those names out there, I just kind of chuckled because it was two different recruiting situations. But he does not have a lot of playing time under his belt. And North Carolina's defense was really, really bad. Let's go to Corrington Vol 17. What are your impressions so far with Nico? In parentheses, yes, I know it's extremely small sample size. But some of you guys have witnessed some generational talent that have come here at quarterback before. I wasn't at that practice on Saturday. You guys got to see only about 15 or 20 minutes. All eyes were on Nico. What do you look like? I thought he looked exactly what I thought he was going to look like. What he looked like, you know, every time I've watched him throw it, whether it be a seven on seven or, you know, in his high school game out there at Warren, um, live arm, quick release, and uh, a guy that's got a world of talent again. The, the physical traits are are undeniable. The question that has yet to be answered and, you know, will be answered at some point is, is what's he like mentally? If, if mentally he's, if mentally he's good, then Tennessee's got himself a special player. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think from a physical tool standpoint, you, you like the, you like the way he looks. I, I always chuckle at the generational deal. The last generational quarterback I saw play at Tennessee would, would be, I guess, Peyton Manning. And he threw a bunch of wounded ducks the first three or four days of practice. I mean, you know, watched him throw, and you're like, "You think wounded ducks as a senior?" I don't, I don't see it. You know, I mean, I, he, he just, it wasn't real pretty. Um, but then, obviously, you know what it was. Uh, Casey Clawson wasn't pretty routes versus there. But the more people you added on the field, the better his game got. The better he was. So, uh, there's no doubt from a physical standpoint that that Nico's got all the traits that you want. Tall, um, you know, got a quick release throws a pretty ball, throws a catchable ball, all those things that you're looking for stands out to you. We'll just have to see how it translates as he progresses in this offense. High Speed says, what's your take on the future of the center position for this football team? Cooper Mays obviously has a lockdown for 2023 and 24, if you would like to use that extra year, but seems to be a major drop-off behind him. I think this spring, I mean, they're going to have to figure that out, guys, because the last two years, if something were to go wrong, they would slide Jerome Carvin over. Had to in 2021, didn't happen last year, but that's something they got to figure out here in spring practice. I agree. I don't know if that's they still work Addison Nichols or or, or or who they you know put in that spot, but you know I couldn't agree more. That's that's an area of concern because you know you you've had that kind of like nice crutch to you know to fall back on you know in Jerome Carvin, who was a pretty solid center himself when Cooper was out. Now that's gone, and you're going to have to figure out who can uh, who can be that uh, person that steps in and kind of keeps the ship afloat if something happened to Cooper. Yeah, I think that's an I think it's an interesting spring decision because you, there's two ways to look at it. Is there a young guy that you want to groom that you think can be ready as a young guy in case Cooper Mays gets hurt in 23? Not just thinking about 24 or 25 beyond. I'm talking about in the in the short term. Or do you take a veteran and rep a veteran there and try to get a veteran up to speed, um, you know, uh, an Ollie Lane or a Spragans? I mean, Ollie snapped some in his time at Tennessee. I don't know if he can do it in this offense or not. Spragans was a center coming out of out of high school. Do, do you get a veteran experienced player ready to play that position and also groom a young player for the future? I, I tell you who I would my, – my number two guy would be Jackson Lampley. Yeah, he's got a kind of a he's got a center body. You know, he's not overly girthy. I know he plays guard, but I mean, he's not overly athletic. Um, 
you know, and, and I and I think smart. So like that that would be the the route I would go. Now again, I'm not the coach, so I don't know what they're thinking. It's a good point too. Don't know if um, you know, Ollie Lane snapped the football a little bit whenever Jim Chaney was here. Um, don't know if he can right. do this in this offense right. or not. Hasn't, but... done it, hasn't done it in this system. I don't think they've got no. anybody that's done it in this system other than Cooper and and Carvin. Parker Ball, but I mean, I, I, he's not in this conversation. But yeah, right. Uh, Terry Bowleg, Austin, put your roster management hat on for a second. Are there any different roster moves or positions of need you would put more emphasis on than what it appears the staff is doing in the portal and the finalizing of rec this recruiting class? Uh, I mean, no, I mean, I think, you know, what the, the spots they're targeting are the areas they need to improve. Um, you know, again, you know, I like it's, it's always, you know, I think all the kids on this team are really good kids, right? Um, that doesn't mean Tennessee doesn't need to try to work to improve in certain areas um, and, and find to be, find a way to be more athletic, you know, in certain areas. So, you know, I mean, I think Tennessee, you know, getting a receiver helps potentially looking at a running back helps, but I don't think running back to me is, is less, unless you're getting a top end guy, like, is, do you feel Marshawn Lloyd is a top end guy? If you do, then okay, take a swing at it. If you don't, then, I would stick with what you got because I don't. I think you have more pressing needs. I think you need a true tackle. Um, I got to hang out with uh, your boy uh, Andre Keurig uh, when you all were doing the player availability when I was turning the uh, uh, Keenan Peely uh, story loose, and kind of got to talk to him. And you know, I mean, he he just looks like a mean, nasty guard to me. I mean, a guy that could play right tackle. Um, you know, I mean, kind of like Addison Nichols. I think Addison Nichols could play right tackle. I think Addison Nichols could also just flourish at guard. So um, I think that's important. And defensively, you've added a linebacker. Um, you know, if you could get a guy that could get to the quarterback, that'd be great. And then, you know, if you could get the corner or two, that'd be great too. Here's here's the one for me, Eric. And, and maybe Jacob Warren was just being coy with, with the media when he visited with the media on Wednesday. But he said he had not made up his final mind. He was still thinking about things as to whether or not he would be back next year or not. I, I think you need another tight end if I were in the roster management game. Now, that's me based on what I saw out of the tight ends this year. You know, I'm not saying – I'm not a coach. I'm not getting paid to be a coach. They know their answer there. But I don't know that Ethan Davis is going to be ready. I like Castles. But do you have enough depth at tight end and enough bodies at tight end to do what you want to do offensively? That would be the one question I would have. Other than what is obviously what they're targeting right now. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those situations, too, to where if you truly haven't been making this decision or if you, have, if you haven't had these conversations, you need to. I understand you're trying to get ready for a bowl game, but, I mean, decisions have to be made. There's tight ends going in the portal and there's tight ends leaving, and you don't have to love all of them, but you might miss out on another one that you could have liked. That's right. Eric Gilbert's in the portal again for Georgia. I think he could play the H-back spot in this offense, yeah? <laughs> Oh, buddy, I think Eric Gilbert's got too many problems that just, it's not worth it. I know. I'm just kidding. Boy, what a ride he's I mean, been on. The top, I mean, you're talking about a guy that has had all-world talent as a freshman that is just it, – it's sad to see. It's sad to see. It's why, you know, surrounding yourself with good people and, you know, trying to keep your, you know, you know eyes, you know, kind of on the prize, so to speak. I mean, it's so important because, I mean, you can get in the ditch in a hurry and it's just hard to get out. Well, and it's why it's why determining somebody's competitive character is the hardest thing. To, one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing, to do it. Yeah. How competitive is somebody? Because so many of these kids have had it so easy 
throughout their high school careers. I mean, how, how are they going to respond in adversity when it gets hard? It'll get hard in college. What's their competitive nature? And that's what coaches are always trying to figure out when they evaluate talent. DMV Vol 1985, do you buy into the notion that Heupel's offense can't have success in the SEC long-term and the defenses will begin to catch up? Or do you think there is enough tweaking and creativity where he can always keep it fresh and uh, have the cutting edge? I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to jump in here right now. Tennessee broke two school records in the first two years with Josh Heupel, led the, offense, led the nation in offense this year. And Brent, we saw a new wrinkle every single week. I will put my money on Josh Heupel to to keep that up. He, he did it again. Did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself, and I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to say that's a bad question or anything. No, I just no, I, no, I just no. I mean I I'm going to put my money with Heupel. The 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 idea that's out there that this is a gimmick offense is very maddening to Josh Heupel. Okay, and it was very maddening to Alex Golish, and, and it is to the entire offensive staff. It's not gimmicky. It's different, right? And tempo has a, a factor, but I don't think tempo is the biggest factor in the success of this offense, right? It's what they choose to do with how they spread people out and, and what they do. I mean, again, I'm going to link this on the message board. i got to go back and find it. Somebody posted on Twitter that there's a, there is a skull session, like an eight-minute Q&A that Mike Leach did, you know, prayers to his family, God rest his soul, when he was in Oklahoma talking about his offensive schematics. And when you watch that X's and O's, that's the foundation of everything Tennessee. Okay, that's the foundation of what Josh Heupel does. How many years did Mike Leach's offense work in college football? Every I mean, year. Every I mean, year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't. nobody caught up to it, figured it out. I mean, was he always evolving and tweaking some things? Sure, so was Josh Heupel. So it's not this gimmick offense that everybody – that, you know, that some people want to perceive it to be based solely on being able to go fast because it's not just based solely on being able to go fast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go to Nash Vol 615. Didn't go hard after too many, but is there a recruit in-state awesome prize Tennessee really wanted but didn't get in this cycle? No. I, I can honestly say that, no. I mean, last last cycle, there were there was a few. This cycle, no. I mean, there were guys in this cycle Tennessee recruited, but I don't yeah, know. There's a difference between recruiting. I mean, there's category, guys Tennessee yeah. offered, there's guys Tennessee re- recruited, but then when it actually gets to go time, like, did they did they push for player X, Y, or Z? And you know, the answer is no. You know, Tennessee did a uh, a nice job in landing the guys that they they coveted in this class. Um, you know, they got Caleb Herring early, 
Um, they got Trevor Duncan early. They got Nathan Robinson early. Aiden Bussell early. And then they got Arian Carter late. Texas Vols says landing blank in the transfer portal would warrant a 50-cent Hubs gift. I got to figure that out, everybody. I, I, you know, when I tried to post that gift, and I've tried a few times, it says the image is too large. And I've got to figure that out because I want to. I just I'm that big. I mean, I'm that big. I mean, that it, it, it doesn't surprise me. That, hey, you know, Hubs is the gift master over here. You can ask him. Um, yeah, um, you do you, Hubs. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, you know. Maybe, know. maybe that's I, a message it's time to retire at AP. Maybe that's what they're trying to tell you. I, or evolve. I think any of the combination of Dante Thornton, Marshawn Lloyd, John Campbell, the Miami offensive tackle of, Tennessee got in play there. Any of those, I think, would be a warrant of uh, that. All right, let's you go heard to Josh in... Before you go to the next question. Yeah. The most interesting thing that was said by Josh Heupel on Wednesday was he basically laid you out his, his blueprint for how he you know plans on attacking the roster, which is through high school and development and then cherry-picking – one, two, three guys out of the portal where you're weak, where you need help. In other words, we're not going to live in the portal. We're not going to build it from the portal. We can, we're going to add pieces from the portal because every team will do that. But like, if you think we're adding 15 or 20 guys from the portal, that ain't how they're, that's not how they're planning on doing it. Yep. I mean, it's a, it's a good point. Not that, well, and it's, but it's the only way to sustain. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I think ultimately it's the only way to sustain. Now, can you jumpstart your program with with portal yeah. guys and a rebuild? Absolutely. 100%. Like Auburn. Auburn. You know, um, I think we've seen Florida State do that. Now, the question is, is Florida State going too far with that this year? But I think you've seen them use it. Austin's made this reference before. Mississippi State with, with junior college players. TCU did it with JUCO players. Kansas State did it with junior college players. Transfer portal or the new junior college. There's just more of them to pick from, but you can use those to jumpstart things with your program. But I think if you've got your roster and your culture in pretty good shape, I do think you want to add a smaller number of pieces, just just like schools did with junior college players when they were established, right? I mean, you look at what Tennessee did in a history lesson in 89 and 90, coming off that 0-6 start in 88 where they won their last five. How they got themselves into contention to win the SEC championship in 1990 was largely due to bringing in junior college players. Chris Mims, Dale Carter, you know, um, a lot of guys that came in in that junior college ranks there to go with some good high school players, but they went pretty heavy then. Then they tapered that off because their roster was built and established. And and I think you'll see them continue to do that, um, build it through the high school ranks, as most everybody else will in the country as well. Cherry pick some really elite players, Eric, that you think can make a difference. You know, it, it's 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 kind of like the trade deadline in the sport, right? We've got a good team. We're missing a part. Let's go get the part if we can. It's a little bit of a similar kind of analogy when you look at what you're trying to do in assembling a college football or even a college basketball team with the portal. 100%. I mean, you literally can't build a team on portal additions. It's, it's not feasible. You don't have enough spots. Um you want the depth, you want the quality twos and the special teamers and all. I mean, all that's built from the high school ranks and development on up. And now it depends on who you get out of that portal. Again, Hendon Hooker came from the portal. 
that changed that that it wasn't Heupel's guy, but that jump started Heupel's offense here at Tennessee, one hundred percent. So and they had a great need there. They didn't yeah. take him just because it was a quarterback. They had to have somebody in that class. They had to have a quarterback to go with what they had, and, and the previous staff felt like that was the best option available for them. The current staff felt like Joe Milton was the best option available for them. As it turned out, Hendon Hooker was the guy who took off and ran in this offense. So you're always going to have some of that. Um, look what Chase Dolander did, right, for, for Tennessee baseball. They had a lot of parts, and then he became he came in and was a huge part. That's kind of how I envision um, the transfer portal in college, in, in college sports, ultimately, once it settles down some. Let's go here to NWGA Vol. Name two players who stand the best chance to see an increase in playing time in the Orange Bowl compared to their roles in the regular season. Is that an easy answer? It's going to look at, you know, where some guys have opted out, but I mean, Ramel Keaton and squirrel played a little bit this year already. Yeah. Austin, I'll, I don't, I'll I don't go Joe him. Milton. I'll go Joe Milton <laughs> and, uh, and Ramel um, Keaton. <laughs> no, I, that's no. Cause there's right. I mean, like Joe actually fits the bill more than Ramel. Yeah. Sure. Ramel's been, he's basically been a starter for what? Eight of the 12 games. I mean, I mean, you know, he's played a ton. Um, you know, I just I think whether it's Chaz Nimrod or and I think it's most likely Walker Merrill. I think one of those guys is going to factor. I mean, it's easy to say Tennessee's going to just play the three, but at some point they're going to sub. And I think, but will see, they? They never do, though. You know, I just think they will in this game. I don't know why. I just think they. I think you'll see Walker Merrill um, in this game and then defensively. I don't know. I mean, I just think Wesley Walker. But, I mean, again, he's played a ton, too. I mean. I can't think of anybody. I I really can't think of anybody else defensively because they play a lot up front. Everybody's played in the secondary that we've seen, right? Yeah, the whole whole roster's played there. Yeah, and and they're going to play. They're going to play their backers that they've been. I mean, they've they've had a, a healthy rotation there as well, too, if you include Solon Page. So. Um, yeah, I would go, I would go there on the offensive end. I mean, I think you could see a little more Tyree West in this game. And I think he's played a good, you know, he's played a good yes. bit, played more and more. That may be a guy who, who could, could play a little bit more, but I don't think that there's one guy who, um, is just waiting in the wings to see, you know what I mean? Like, like I looked up, I, I just looked it up while we were sitting there talking. I'm like, I, I think D Williams is going to return kicks now. Right. Because. Because Jimmy Holiday's yeah, gone. But, I mean, Clemson's yeah. got yeah, Clemson's got sixty-two touchbacks and seventy-seven kickoffs. So most of the ball, you know, I don't know if he's going to get an opportunity to do anything. But that could be a guy who makes a play potentially in kickoff return if they let him return a kick, which they didn't want to let Jimmy Holiday do. So um, you know, something like that. But in terms of just somebody jumping out there, I don't, I don't see anybody of any note that's going to suddenly pop up on the radar. CN31 wants to know if Warren Burrell is going to come back next year. Guys, that's still the plan, correct? As far as I know. Okay. Nash Vol 615, happy with the 23 class, but is it wrong for me to feel like the success with the success on the field? Tennessee should have been even better with this recruiting class. Seems like other schools had a strong close the last few months, even with the most of the hay in the barn. <laughs> what do you call what Tennessee did? <laughs> Tennessee closed strong as well. I know what you're saying, but – this success this year, Austin's going to help in 24 and 25. Yeah, I, I said that when, when Tennessee was sitting there at 6-0 and, and then 7-0 and, and then 8-0. And, 
this class, most of the hay was in the barn. And so, you know, they weren't just the, the, the impact on this 10 and two season was going to be felt in 24 um, and maybe 25, but like, you know, this class, I think it's a really good class. I don't care where it ranks. It's very similar in ranking to last year's class. And it's, it just drubs last year's class in my opinion. So I'm close. Yeah. Um, I think, I, but, but again, I think you, you got a running thing, back in Keith, you got Hobbs, you got Carter. You're still close pretty strong as well. So, yeah, I think the other thing too, is I think people, I think, I think people see, well, they're a really good team. And so everybody wants to go play there. And, and I, I think there's some truth to that, right? Alabama's recruited well for a long time, Ohio state, cause those are playoff type teams. Tennessee had a really good year. They're still building. I mean, they're not they're not there yet to that to that point, and so kids are still making decisions to come to places like Tennessee, and I think you can put Oregon into that category, and and some other schools in that category, that they're they're making a decision off of what feels good to them, where they believe their opportunity is. NIL not money, what, man. Not yeah, NIL money, and not just based on what the team record is or or where they were. Does it help that Tennessee? appears to be on their way yes and i think with all as austin and you have said it'll show up even more next year than it did this year all right let's go to athron a couple here most needed player of the class that signed not named nico oh i will go with i will go with a linebacker i would go with arian carter and i will go with hobbs uh, as my two a ap I, you know you may go to laycock you may go a totally different direction but for me when I see out of this team, I would go with those two guys. I'll go Jordan Matthews. I mean, okay. the pick. To, to, pick. Not just to do the same thing, because I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I just, you know, I just think Tennessee's got to be more athletic in the secondary. And, you know, this staff's extremely high on this group of corners. I'll just go Jordan Matthews. I can't argue with that pick at all. Do you think there's going to be any prep players beside Tavian Gatson, the staff recruits in the February signing period? Gadsden is going to Kentucky, um, and uh, I think signed today or yesterday. Um, but there will always be more guys that pop up throughout the. Yeah, summer. maybe I don't. I don't think there'll be very much though. I think it'll like Jason Jenkins last year. Yeah, last year was a little bit different feel too, though. Um, I just, I just think ultimately you're talking about maybe one, two spots maybe open up if somebody didn't sign and Tennessee decides to take a swing there, um, but. Uh, I think it'll be very minute. I think most of the recruiting visits will be transfer uh, portal visits and junior days, which are set for the 14th and the 28th. So Kentucky and Texas basketball games. Will Tennessee replace Jordan Phillips with another defensive lineman since he entered the portal, or will they snag a different position to fill his scholarship spot? Uh, Maybe and maybe. I mean, you know, it's, it just depends. A lot of times it's just to be best available. Um, I don't think Tennessee feels like they're void of D linemen. So, you know, if, if the right one came their way, they sure would look at it. But otherwise, I think they'll just kind of go with what's available to them. They're not going to take a guy just to take a guy at that position. They're, I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee's roster is beyond that, you know, unless they have some kind of crazy mass exodus, Austin. I think Tennessee's gotten the depth of this roster to the point that they don't have to take a guy just to take a guy. Yeah, and I think Tennessee will have a couple more guys leave after the bowl game. 
Sure. And I think they'll and I think they'll continue to to, to bring in a couple more guys out of the That's transfer right. portal. But I don't think they're just going to take a body to take a warm body to, to fill a hole that's there because somebody left. That's, that's right. Well, that's one for math. Ron says, are we ready for Christmas? He has a one and a half year old at home. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun for him. So congratulations there. That will be a whole lot of fun. AP, are you ready for Christmas? You've had that thing up since what? October. Yeah, buddy. Um, and, uh, you know, again, best part of, uh, we're taping this. My kids are downstairs. The best part of any of this is getting to uh, play the big red guy. And, uh, you know, at some point that will end for everybody. Um, but uh, we're still enjoying it in this household. And so we'll uh, enjoy it again coming up uh, on Sunday. And then Sunday night, we'll be off to South Florida with you fellas. Yeah. And, and everybody who's got young kids, enjoy the heck out of it. Mine are 17 and 14 and they want cash. <laughs> they want they, they want hubs as NIL deals. It's, it's it's a little bit different. They want some money for, for whatever, whatever need they have at that hey. point. So. If you got a little one, enjoy every second of it. I'm 29 years old and I want cash too. My mom gets so mad at me. She's like, what do you want for cash? Money. Right. I'm not sure 30. It's what I need. All right. Hard hat ball. What players in the signing class were legitimate concerns of flipping? Obviously, Sylvester Smith flipped, but anybody else? I know there was a rumor or two um, about Cam Selden. No, but... uh, Cam Selden was the most solid kid on the earth. That was yeah. never a worry. I, I, the only kid I worried about was Tyree Weathersby. And that's just because Auburn comes sniffing around there at the end and you know, they were trying, they were obviously had a lot of success on signing day for them kids from Ohio state, Florida state, and, you know, Smith from Tennessee a few days out. So, you know, once uh weather's be signed early in the morning, I don't think I was, uh, uh, you know, worried about any of them. Now, I thought Ricky Gibson could have, could have possibly gotten interesting weeks before signing day. Yeah. Right, right after Hugh freeze was hired, but obviously not once he got to campus or anything like that. I think the Keith kid got some phone calls too. The, the last, the last four or five days, just some, some people to make sure he was solid with Tennessee. Um, but but obviously he was. But I'm with you all. I think Weathersby was the one that, you know, that one could have got interesting if he would have listened to Auburn. But he had no desire to listen to Auburn, which is a credit to Tennessee and the relationship they built with him and a great eval, right, Austin? That's right. I mean, when when you looked at him and they took him, you're like, okay, who's this guy? And then you watch his senior tape and. You're, you understand why Auburn's calling and sniffing around, well, right? Weathersby and Laycock. The two, I was going to the say, there, there are three evals in this class that just seem like home runs. Laycock, Weathersby, and, and Ricky Gibson. Especially Laycock. I mean, you, 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 no one was really in on him. You get him to commit, and then he just blows up as a senior. Goodness gracious. All right. Let's go to the seven maxims. Our quarterback situation is concerning. If Taven Jackson leaves and Nico takes over for 23 or 24, do you all expect a younger guy to sign with Tennessee knowing they'll have to wait two or three years to get that starting spot? Or will a 2024 QB choose to wait on Nico to leave? Yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee will sign a quarterback in every class. If you're not doing that, then something's wrong. It, to me, you just won't be able to get a top-end guy. Now, a lot of people are going to go, what, what, wait, wait, wait. George gets a top-end guy. Yeah, they did. And the walk-on's starting off the three five-stars are they're sitting. So, I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, um, I still think you're looking at a middle-of-the-road quarterback in 24, a high-end guy in 25, um, you know, and go that route. But you're right. I mean, the way this thing whole thing plays out, I, I told Hubs, you know, Paul Tyson, which is Bear Bryant's grandson, started Alabama with Arizona State, now back, you know, transferred back to Clemson. Like, that's the kind of perfect guy Tennessee needs if they have to go to the portal after spring. Again, Tennessee will not go to the portal for a quarterback 
as long as Taven Jackson's not leaving. Joe's not leaving. He thinks he's going to be the guy. And then right now I think we, we will be the guy, um, you know, for 23. Then you got Nico. He sure is not leaving. So as long as Taven Jackson's willing to go in there and compete for it, Tennessee's not going to take a guy. If he leaves, then you're going to have to find a guy like a Paul Tyson that, you know, is content being the backup and playing major or, or you know, being a backup at a major power five program. Well, and here's the thing that you're reminded of when you start throwing those scenarios out, Eric. The luxury Tennessee had this fall. Yep. Of have of having Hendon Hooker and having and having Joe Milton on the roster with, with Taven Jackson learning. Now he Taven got hurt, but he's the third guy learning. That that's that's not just like the Georgia scenario is unrealistic. Okay. What Tennessee had is not very realistic, which is you're gonna have teams that have light quarterback rooms, and if they have to go in the portal, then they're gonna go in the portal and they're probably gonna NIL over somebody to get somebody there to answer their quarterback question. That's why the, the of all the portal positions, just like an NFL free agency, right, there's a couple positions or the biggest positions. They, they command the most attention, command the most money, all those things. Quarterback's always going to be that way in the transfer portal because somebody out there is going to be looking for a guy to come in and be a starter. The challenge is what Austin's saying is finding a guy who comes in and is okay with not being the starter. Those are the guys hard to find in the portal and in the high school ranks, to be honest with you. Balls by 1998 has got a couple here, so we'll roll through them. Uh, first, how do you see or do you see this offense changing in the bowl game to accommodate Milton? Austin Price setting it up on a tee for you. Go ahead and say what you want to say about Milton and his legs. I mean, I think you have to do some different things, um, you know, with Joe. I mean, he, he said it, you know, when he met the media on Wednesday, you know, he's willing to do it, you know. So, I mean, I'd let him do it. I'm not saying you go out there and – you know, you're running a ton, but I'd absolutely have a couple of design run plays. Yes. Where do you see any improvements for this off, offense next year? I don't think the improvement areas are as clear as they were last year, like Tennessee had to get better in short yardage situations. I think they abandoned the run in several games, maybe more of a balance next year. They abandoned the run in Pittsburgh. That one comes to mind a lot. I mean, they, they were very balanced this year. Areas of improvement offensively, Brent. Does any you know come to mind? I agree with them. They they were much obvious, more obvious last year. Well, I mean, I think areas of improvement are with some individuals. Can you pass protect off the edge? You know, you're yeah. losing a, you're losing a great pass protector in Darnell Wright. You know, so I think it's more about answering your personnel questions than it is, you know, a wholesale schematic things. The the Pittsburgh game in terms of the run deal, I mean. They play man coverage on the outside, basically. They sell out to stop the run. They're very hard to run against. Um, I don't think Tennessee at times was hard-headed enough to run against them. The same thing, we heard this on the CBS broadcast in the Alabama game. Alex Golis saying a year earlier against Alabama, their first year, they did not commit enough to run the football. They abandoned it too quickly. This year, they ran the football more consistently against Alabama, and it obviously paid some dividends. So I think you always got to be careful not to get pass happy and stay balanced. Um, but but I don't think there's any fundamental major growths like there was a year ago. A year ago, coming going to you had to be better in short yardage, you had to be better in the red zone, and you needed to run the ball a little more consistently. I think Tennessee did all three of those things this year better. All right, that's all the time we have on this edition of the Volquest Mailbag Podcast. We went through a lot of them here today, probably twenty plus. So appreciate you guys for getting those in there each and every Thursday. The mailbag right here on VolQuest and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. 
Guys, don't forget $10 for one-year subscription to VolQuest.com. It's the perfect Christmas gift, the stocking stuffer. You can get a late ad, one-year VolQuest.com subscription for only $10. Take advantage of it while it is here. For Brent Hubs and Austin Price, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and giving us some, some questions and for taking part in the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday for the VolQuest Pod coming up in a few days. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.